Hey there, it's Dr. Nazanin Mo'oli, and I want to chat with you about a key ingredient for a fabulous date night, feeling sexy. And come on, let's be real. What you wear plays a big part in how you rock that confidence. That's why I'm thrilled to introduce you to Quince. Quince brings you premium European linen dresses, blouses, and shorts starting at just $30, along with washable silk tops, 40-carat gold jewelry, and more. And guess what? All of their goodies are priced 50 to 80% lower than similar brands. By teaming up directly with top factories, Quince skipped the middleman and hands us the saving. Plus, they stick to factories with safe, ethical practices and top-notch fabrics and finishes. How awesome is that? Picking from Quince's website was tough because they have a ton of fabulous choices. I ended up going for their 100% washable silk sleep dress in champagne. And let me tell you, my husband was floored. He's convinced whoever rocks this is in for a blast. I'm going to record some content on that dress so you can see how fabulous is that dress. Elevate your date night style with Quince. Pop over to quince.com slash sexology for free shipping on your order and 365-day returns. That's quince.com slash sexology to get free shipping and 365-day returns. quince.com slash sexology. Welcome to Sexology, a podcast that untangles the science of sex and pleasure. And now, with this week's episode, your host, clinical psychologist, Dr. Nazanin Moali. Hey, everyone. Welcome to episode 16 of Sexology Podcast. I'm so glad that you tuned in today. We're going to talk about why parents should talk to their kids and teenagers about sex. One of the reasons that I decided that this is a very important topic to talk about, it's based on my personal experience. Last month, my sister and one of our childhood friends, we went to a ski trip in Utah, which was fantastic. I love skiing. It was a like perfect weekend for me. And we were talking about our experiences around sexuality during breakfast. And I was talking about this podcast and how kind of led to the conversation for us on how we learned about sexuality and sex education. And I was shocked that the way that my sister learned about sexuality was very different than myself. Our parents didn't talk about sex, so we kind of picked up this information around sexuality from our peers, random books and society. And it was like kind of sort of why it was confusing. And we were talking about how effective it could have been if our parents kind of talked about their values and things and provide us some education around sexuality. That's why I thought it's very important to kind of provide some guidance for parents on how to talk about sexuality with their children and teens. I invited Mrs. Tara Spears. She talked about sexuality in one of my friends and colleagues' podcasts, Nicole Burgess, which is Launching Your Daughter, which was fantastic. And I found she would be a perfect person, I realized, for this discussion. Tara Spears is a licensed mental health counselor and a licensed marriage and family therapist. She completed training as a sex therapist in 2014. 
She graduated from the University of Central Florida in 2005 with a master's degree in counselor education. In 2012, Ms. Spears accepted a position with Empower as a clinical manager. Ms. Spears served as a licensed practitioner of the healing art for four countries, overseeing 2,000 clients. In late 2015, Ms. Spears created online learning for parents to assist them in feeling confident and comfortable discussing sex with their children. Discussed within the course was sexual development throughout childhood, sexual safety, parental values, and suggestion for having a successful conversation. Here's my conversation with Ms. Tara Spears. Welcome to another episode of Sexology Podcast. As I mentioned during the introduction, our guest today is a licensed marriage and family therapist and sex therapist, Ms. Tara Spears. Tara, welcome to our show. Welcome. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. It's great to have you on this show. And I know that this is a topic that many of the parents that I work with and many of the listeners are struggling with. It's very challenging to have a good conversation, constructive conversation about sex. So just briefly, how did you get into this uh, realm? Sure. Well, it's a, it's a combination of, of professional and just personal experience that kind of led me down this path. I am a mom to two young girls. My oldest is eight uh, or soon to be eight and my youngest is five. And professionally, I've worked in the child welfare system for going on 13 years. So I've uh, done a lot of work with children after they've been removed from their parents for a variety of, of different reasons. And one of the things that the system of care really seems to struggle with is when we're trying to place children who have a history of sexual abuse, uh, sexually reactive behavior, or just even trying to stabilize placements once they've come into care. And so I recognized that there was this gap in information that parents and caregivers seem to have around uh, what is normal sexual behavior and, and how should we be treating that as, as parents and what is atypical sexual behavior. And if you see that, then what do you do? Absolutely. And when you were talking about working with people in foster care and throughout the adoption, it kind of reminded me of my early experience of working in the field. I started working at a group home with children who were sexually abused and they were very young. And what was heartbreaking for me was I, I kept saying that many of them were kind of victim of uh, sexual abuse. And as you said, Sometimes when they get adopted, they got adopted, they kind of express some of those behaviors and they were kind of sent back. And it was so heartbreaking to see that. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Nothing will break apart a placement like or, or an adoptive home, adoptive um, family, like sexually reactive behavior. Absolutely. And I think that's why it's very important to kind of have a conversation about uh, sexuality, sexual boundaries. And I know sometimes, most of the times, by the time the parents want to have the talk, is I don't know if you've seen the com uh, like cartoon that they like the parents come and say, "Oh, let's have the talk about sex," and the kids say, "What do you want to know?" So it's pretty much right. it's too late. So, what age is it appropriate for parents to start having the conversation about sex with their children? I love this question because it 
my answer or response is that I think we need to have a radical shift in our thinking around what the conversation of sex entails. So if we, uh, of course, we're not going to talk to three-year-olds about intercourse, but if we if we broaden our, our definition of sex beyond intercourse to gender, to uh, anatomy, to sexual expression, if we, if we increase that uh, window just a little bit, then we really should be having this conversation at very young ages. And it starts with appropriately naming a child's anatomy and having the child use those names instead of nicknames or, or made-up names, whatever seems to be um, familiar for that culture or for that family. It also includes is it okay to allow your child to have uh, kind of a range of gender expressions? So is it all right for your little your little girl to play with trucks and your little boy to play with dolls or cooking or whatever the case may be? And so if we, if we expand upon that definition, then we can start laying the foundation, if you will, to have more in-depth conversations as the child develops. Absolutely. And I love that you mentioned that it needs to be kind of age appropriate based on where they are in their development. But I, I see like many times, you know, they use a nickname and just then it's just there's no kind of right vocabulary for those parts of the body. And there's so much shame around it. So that's great. As you mentioned, that people can start early based on where their children are. I know that the way I learned about sex, I was like seven, we had this like a illustration that this book was which was for children and I loved reading it was probably a little bit like for older kids but it was like very mechanical and I asked it was it was showing a sperm and egg and the next page was the part like two like a it was heterosexual like women and male kind of hugging didn't make sense for me and I went to ask my mom and I was just very curious and I saw terror in her face when I asked oh what happened so I think that was kind of end of our sex education talk because I could notice that she's very uncomfortable about talking about this topic. Absolutely. And that's what I mean by laying the foundation. So if we start very early on by creating nicknames for genitals, where uh, when the child is old enough to recognize that the genitals actually have a, an anatomical name, then we have already kind of sewn into that child's understanding that there's something different about this part of my body or there's something shameful or there's something awkward or, or sex just becomes and sex education becomes something that is so difficult for families to wrap their hands around because there's a, there's a decade or more of stigma that they have unfortunately and unknowingly kind of sewn into their family. Absolutely. And I know that sometimes sex education starts when the parents discover their kids like masturbates and the right. way they react is just sometimes is again, I, some of them, they're not their intention, but they don't do that or like they handle it in a way that a child can experience it as like very negative, very shameful. So how do you recommend parents to talk to their children about sex and masturbation that doesn't kind of cause this negative aftermath? Well, Okay, so if we're going to, I'll answer that question from two different perspectives. One is that, you know, we've, we've been instilling this, this culture of sex as a natural part of your development and your body being your own kind of thing. In that case, then it would just, um, I don't even know that it would be a big to-do. You would open the door, you'd close the door and say, my bad, should have knocked kind of thing. But if we, if we, if we haven't done that, and so we, we as parents walk into the bathroom or the bedroom, wherever the child may be, and we uh, discover that this is happening and um, we haven't laid this foundation. 
one, I would encourage you to to shut the door and let your child um, have some privacy. But once that's done, I would then encourage you to have a conversation around, you know, your your body is your own and you do have the right to kind of explore it and see how it works and, and figure out what you like and what you don't like. The important thing is that uh, masturbation occurs in, in the privacy of that child's room, in the privacy of the bathroom, that masturbation isn't occurring with other people. And so I would normalize it. I would encourage the parent just to do a little bit of exploration around when, how, why kind of thing. And I would certainly say don't shame and don't overreact to that. I know that, that this is um, a difficult topic in the sense that there's a lot of different uh, values out there because of faith-based or religious beliefs. And, and, and I am empathic to that. I genuinely am. I want to encourage parents to consider the ramifications of shaming a child and having a really adverse reaction to finding out that your child is masturbating. Absolutely. And I agree with you. I think just values are important, but then kind of, as you mentioned, being sensitive of the aftermath of the behavior, which one would be kind of like more negative. So that's absolutely makes sense. And one of the things I'm big on on the values, and I know even it's important to kind of like help your children to clarify the sex-related values, obviously one, like it's appropriately with their age. And uh, so it's so challenging because sometimes parents are not clear on their values. Sometimes because of the different generations, kids' values might be different. So how can parents support their teens in throughout that journey? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I'm not even sure how much of my my material you've looked into, um, but this is a huge center stone for all of my material. I saw that. I loved it. <laughs> okay. Yeah, no, I always start with parent preparation and all of my modules and a values assessment um, is one of the first things that I have parents do just so that they have a sense of what their values are. And I approach that very sensitively. Um, you know, I don't shame or, or try to coach parents into having a value that that isn't their own. The important thing is that you as the parent recognize what your values are and what you then want to pass down to your child. If you want to mimic exactly what you believe in, okay. So now let's talk about the uh, the consequences, good, bad, or otherwise, of doing that and, and how you want to go about then doing that. So for parents, yeah, it's, it's, it's essential that you understand um, kind of where you're coming from and the hows and whys of that recognizing, and then when I talk about the good, bad, and otherwise, that's where it kind of comes into play that your child may have very separate values from you. Absolutely. And I think clarifying your values are very important. And I didn't necessarily kind of saw, I wasn't sure if it's like, I know, for example, in my practice, people come in, they're kind of very clear about their values, like overall, like values, but they're, they think their sexual values might be different. So do you kind of help them to kind of integrate that or you, they usually perceive it as two different things? No, I think that's why, we're, I mean, we're even having this podcast is because we have siloed or, or separated our sexuality from us as individuals and therefore created all of this stigma and, and, and shame and awkwardness around it. Your sexual values are just an extension of you. And so I don't know that there's a need to separate that. If you believe in, in um, honesty and integrity and, and fidelity in, in your personal life, then the, those values should be integrated into your sexuality. Absolutely. And I think, as you said, kind of separating it has this kind of like 
kind of this splitting doesn't usually serve people. So it's great to kind of find ways to integrate your overall values in your sexuality. So I know sometimes like parents kind of want to, their hope is to help their own children to kind of carry on the same kind of values. But if like, you know, if their parents want to be mindful of that, kind of helping their teens to kind of develop their own values, what would be a good kind of a conversation starter around that? Right. Well, it, it would first start by acknowledging the parent would have to say, you know, the, here's my value. Now, that may or may not fit for you. Here's why I choose to value this. Um, here's why it's important to me. Tell me what you think about this and tell me where you think you want to go with this. And if you could conceive of any potential negative consequences for you because of this, what would they be? Oh, I love that. It's very different and having the talk, kind of talking about like pregnancy, SDIs, and that's pretty much it. And watch out, people might want to take advantage of you. This is a kind of a different kind of approach and it's going to promote growth. I like that. Yeah, absolutely. Because the parent may have a value that homosexuality is a sin or it's wrong. And then they may be parenting a homosexual child. That doesn't, you know, if you're going to stand your ground, that doesn't leave much, if any, room for negotiation or compromise. So essentially, you're going to injure the relationship that you have with your child. And I'm assuming that most of us as parents want um, the best relationship that we can have. Absolutely. And I know that sometimes, most of the times, children and teens kind of internalize their parents a view of themselves and like them so it's going to be very as you said injuring to tell their self-confidence and understanding of themselves if the parent says like you know the way you are it's not okay so like that yes so one concern that sometimes I hear some parents have about sex education or talking to their children about things is that they're kind of concerned if they talk about sexuality with their teens, they're putting ideas into their head. What's your experience on that? Yeah, and I talk it, I talked at nauseam about this when I did um, my interview with Nicole. While I appreciate that as um, parents, I certainly fall into this category. We want to do everything we can to protect our children. People laugh when I when I tell my Kids like, hey, what's our rule number one? And they'll they'll say back to me, don't die. Well, that's true. That is our rule number one. Um, <laughs> I really feel like it just consolidates a lot of um, of areas of of error. So, um, you know, our first and foremost rule is is really safety. So, I understand that parents don't want their children to encounter harm. I do, and I understand that there are repercussions associated with sex, such as STIs and pregnancy. I get all that. I also want to caution parents into thinking that uh, your child has never thought about sex. And so here's, here's my philosophy behind that. We are sexual creatures. We know that because there's, you know, there's a few of us on planet Earth. So we, are, we come into this world wanting to, to mate. We come into this world wanting to procreate. And that is a natural instinct. So you can pretend like that's not the case or you can choose to work with it. And if you're going to work with it, then you equip your child with the necessary information to make smart and informed decisions. Yeah, that that is absolutely right. And as you said, it's part of human experience. It's like, you know, I'm not going to talk about food so my kids wouldn't get hungry. So yeah, if you're not talking about it, then they pick up someone's value. I know that I grew up in a culture that was kind of was very difficult for parents 
to talk about sex and everyone have their own values as grown up my friends my family members and they're not necessarily they're like in congruent with the family or you know growing up it was lots of challenges so regardless of whether you talk to your children or not they're gonna develop values ideas about sex and if you kind of pursue the way that you were talking about it, like the parents' values and why it's important. It's going to help children and teens to kind of fine-tune in early ages what's working for them, what might not work for them, and have this kind of a very mindful approach toward sexuality. Absolutely. I mean, we as parents talk to our children in, in theory and then teach them about everything. So I, I always um, am a little baffled as to why we stop short at sex. Yeah, absolutely. And something else is that I hear sometimes parents feel conflicted about is when they're uh, catching their teens watching porn. Absolutely. I think the age is very important. If they're young, it can be also very harmful. Also, I know that it depends on the parents' value on pornography. But again, for older children of older teens, I don't know, uh, parents have like kind of, they feel kind of confused about how to approach that. What are some of your recommendations around that? Yeah, that's a really loaded uh, topic for all the things that you just said. You know, what is the age of the child? What is the nature of the pornography? Um, how, How often is this happening? So forth and so on. So, all right, if you catch your child watching porn, assuming that it's an older teen, because if if we have something different than that, then we need to have an extensive conversation. So if you catch your older teen watching porn, it is critical and vital that you have a conversation with your child around sex. What did they see? What did they notice? Um, Have they personally had sex? If if yes, how does that, uh, what they saw differ from what they experienced? How does, um, if they haven't, how has what they've seen um, influenced their perception of sex. It's important for, for anybody watching porn, regardless as to the age, but for anybody watching porn to realize that this is a movie set, that there are cutaways, that people take breaks, that this isn't really how sex works out in the real world. And so usually porn is, is not about an intimate connection between two people. It is very much um, sensationalized and, and eroticized. So while there may be a time and place for that, if that's the only understanding that child has of sexuality, that it's not about a connection between two people, we are really, as parents, doing a disservice to our child. Absolutely. And I know that you talked about, you know, what age. I think age is very, very important because I know even like kind of watching vanilla porn for a kid that's very young, that's harmful. So as you said, kind of if they're older and they're watching it. I like that you mentioned the kind of emphasize the importance of it's a movie set. I think it's a fictional because I know one experience I had, I used to work with teens a lot and the parents didn't talk about sex with their teens and people were using, teens were using porn as a sex ed. And they were learning about sexuality, about uh, like, you know, what's normal from porn which is so unrealistic and they Correct. kind of usually carry those beliefs those expectations throughout lives and impacts how they feel about them, themselves their body parts and their expectation from sex Correct. Yeah, absolutely. That's why I said it does a huge disservice and really sets the child up for failure. Um I would also as the parent monitor how often. So, 
you know, if it's an occasional use out of curiosity or, or um, sexual desire, that's, that's one thing. If you have a child who's doing this multiple every day or spending an excessive amount of time engaging in this behavior such that it's taking him or her away from other activities, that becomes a genuine concern. Right. And for the younger children, I mean, obviously, we want to make sure that our children are safe and this is not ongoing experience. But how can parents kind of ask about it in a curious way to see where the kid learned from it? Where is it coming from? What purpose it serves? Well, I find children are, are pretty apt to answer our questions until they understand that they shouldn't. <laughs> so, yeah. So if you really monitor your um, your reaction, like if your child says something like, I saw, I saw sex. So if you, as the parent, take a deep breath and say, oh, that's interesting. What does that mean? And open up a dialogue to explore, then your child doesn't know that he or she shouldn't be answering that question, right? But if you say, oh, my God, what are you talking about? <laughs> right. Then they're going to be like, oh, I did, I'm just, just kidding. I just heard that word. It's so fun. So... Children are, are, I find, uh, you know, they don't, they don't know not to talk about this uh, pretty openly um, until we tell them that. Yeah. And the other thing in it, so I, as you were talking about uh, this, I was thinking about the other way. You see, I saw sex. I know many of the younger children, like, and I, I had it, like my career was like working with different people in different ages and developmental stages. Sometimes, and again, it's common, unfortunately, or like, you know, it's, Interesting that children kind of walking to their parents, like having sex. And again, right. I know these are like usually parents are very mindful of these things. And it's one of the fears that they have. What do you recommend parents to do as far as do, should they talk about it? Because I know just it can kind of be very scary for the children, especially if they're young. So what's your thoughts on that? Well, yeah, in an age appropriate way, of course. So one, you could spin this in a very positive way, like, look how much mommy and daddy love each other, um, which is very reaffirming to the child that, you know, he or she is safe in, in that family and that mom and dad are going to be here forever. So I would I would go with more of a positive look at it. And for the younger children, go with something like, you know, we, mommy and daddy love each other very much. And uh, sometimes this is how we show each other that we love each other. We're both safe. We're both okay. We're going to do a better job of, of making sure that we lock the door or, or we need you to, to knock on the door, whatever the case may be, so that you set up boundaries for future. Oh, I really like it. It's very different than parents kind of ignoring it, kind of being validating or kind of feeling shameful about it. Because I know one of the fears that kids have, like what if the parents kind of, they don't like each other, they get separated. So I like it how you reframe it as a reassurance that you know, this shows that we love each other and also set boundaries and we were going to make sure that you wouldn't get exposed to it in future. Yeah, absolutely. Because now, you know, this five-year-old walks away believing like, oh, I'm safe. Mommy and daddy love each other. Furthermore, good relationships, good couple relationships are based upon this type of ongoing love. Yeah. And the co honest communication. I really like that. Mm -hmm. One of the kind of fears that I know many parents have is about pregnancy. I'm just kind of curious to hear your thought about what would be a good way for parents to kind of react if their teen tells them uh, she's pregnant or if it's the son that like, you know, I had sex and the girl is pregnant. What's your recommendation around that? Yeah, that's, a, that's tough. And we know that 
Luckily, teen pregnancy rates are decreasing. It's still um, it's still an issue, but it's it's not as bad as it once was because we're doing a better job at giving our teens alternatives. So yay! So you're pregnant. Well, this is going to go back to values. Does your family allow for abortion? Is that something your child wants? Is that something you would condone for your child? If your child is pregnant, I would caution you to consider that your child is probably the most vulnerable. He or she, um, if, if it's the boy who got the other girl pregnant, this is the most vulnerable your child has been to date, most likely. And that they're going to need you now more than, than ever, really. So, yes, you can be disappointed. Yes, you can be upset. Yes, you can be um, angry. And you can you can express all that to a degree in fashion. If all the child hears is shaming and anger and fear with no sense of support, you're, you've limited your child's options for where to go from here. Yeah, and I agree with that. I love that kind of because the children, the teens are vulnerable. And I, I understand that it's kind of not congruent with value of many of the, at least people I see in my practice. But if you kind of continue shaming the teens, then you make them vulnerable for being like taken advantage of or they go somewhere unsafe when they when they need that support. Correct. Yeah. Now more than ever, your child needs you to come alongside him or her and talk about options. If a, if abortion isn't an option, then do you want to go the, down the route of adoption? And my goodness, if you're going to do that, please, please, please be with your child through that process so that everything is done with integrity and your child doesn't um, isn't exploited. Yeah, absolutely. And again, just like talking to them about the resources, because as a parent, you probably know more of the resources or you can have ask like your friends or like, you know, OBGYN or you have more access than your, the options right. that your teen might come up with. Correct. Yeah. And so one thing is about the education. I know that sometimes still part of the country, the education about sexuality has some negative connotations and has some negative flavors. What if the values of the school is different than values of the family? How do you recommend parents to navigate that? Well, I don't think it's a what if. I think it is. So, <laughs> right. You know, our, yeah, our schools still teach an abstinence-based program, and they um, they equip children with knowledge on the basic mechanics and. And some information on on contraception and and how to prevent STIs, but there's no, there's certainly no like now go do this, kids. So, I I would think that it's a fallacy to assume that you know the the first of all why are we allowing the school to teach our children sexual values? But second of all, I think it's a fallacy to assume that the school's values are going to be completely aligned with with any parents. So that's when you would have that conversation about you know what did you learn today and. And, uh, wow, you know, that's really interesting. Here's what I think about that. And here's why. Now, what do you think? So it's it's all about keeping that open dialogue in a non-shaming way. I love that. Yeah, kind of like being kind of checking in continuously with your teen and being involved with how their like, kind of ideas and thoughts are developing around sexuality. Correct. Yeah, Tara, I know your wealth of great information. I looked on your website and the resources you had, and I bet many of our listeners would like to get in contact with you. So what would be the best way of reaching out to you? Yeah, you can. Well, if you want to talk to me directly, just shoot me an email. It's talksexwme at gmail.com. 
And then the material or the online learning that I was referencing is available at TalkSexWithMe.com. Wonderful. Thing. So, yeah, yeah. And I'll make sure that I'll leave the, I'll leave the link into uh, the show notes so people can like contact you when they are in front of their computers. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Wonderful. Thank you so much for your time. It was absolutely a pleasure to talk to you. Well, thank you for having me. Of course. Have a great day. Bye. I hope my interview with Tara encouraged you to consider talking to your children and teens about sex. I know it can be very awkward and challenging if that's something you didn't have in your family of origin, but it's so worth it and it's so important for your children to hear from you as a parent about your values and things that you think it's important and helping them to create meaning around this important aspects of life. Again, thank you so much for tuning in and we'll talk soon. Have a great week. Thanks for listening to Sexology Podcast. For more great content, visit www.sexologypodcast.com. Please be advised that information presented on this podcast is not a substitute for seeking help from a licensed mental health provider.